One of the things that I've been noticing, especially recently, is that, that many of us are, are, are really trying to figure out Jesus and, and what to do with him. That many of us are wrestling with Jesus and, and kind of the big questions around him, man, that, is he really God? Is he the only way to God? How can we trust him? And I just want to say this before we jump into to Luke chapter 5, that that what we see in the scriptures is that Jesus always made room for people who were experiencing doubt and wrestling with these hard questions. And he made room for them, not just as spectators, like not just as people in the crowd, he made room for them on his closest team. So you see this in John chapter 20, one of his 12 disciples, Thomas. You see this in Matthew chapter 28, Dave taught on this on Easter Sunday, where it says that the, the risen Lord Jesus had literally come back from the dead. He was standing in front of the disciples and it says that some doubted. And, and, and I just, I, I say this, man, that, that I've gone through many seasons. And some of you know me, a lot of you don't. I've gone through many seasons of, of wrestling with and struggling with doubt and these hard questions. And I say all this on the front end because I want you to know if this is where you find yourself this morning, you're not alone and you're welcome here. You're safe here. My hope for us today is that together, no matter where we are, some of you come here in this place and you're so strongly rooted in your faith. Others of us come in this place and we're just literally going to hear of Jesus for maybe the very first time in your life or the very first time in a long time. And the rest of us, we just kind of find ourselves somewhere in between. My hope is that we will look at this story in Luke chapter five. We'll just look at one day in the life of Jesus and we'll learn something about him. I was reminded this week that it is literally impossible to learn everything there is to know about someone just by looking at one day in their life. So I took my wife on her first date, September 24, 2005, a long time ago. I did my research. I learned that, that J. Alexander's was her favorite restaurant. And so we're out in Cool Springs at J. Alexander's. I got my khakis on, I got my pink shirt tucked in, haven't tucked in my shirt since. And we're sitting there at J. Alexander's eating chicken tenders and I'm just learning about this woman. But isn't it true? Like you think about the first date that you went on, Matt, like you and Dave, think about the first date you went on. Or Corey, you think about the first date you, you, you went on. Or you, you, you think about these, these people that you now know and care about. And isn't it true that you, you never learn everything there is to know about them just in, in, in one glimpse, looking at one day in their life? The way that re relationships work is time and vulnerability and openness. These things breed intimacy and knowledge and understanding. My hope for us today is that we'll learn something about Jesus and that it won't just stop at head knowledge. But that as we look at, at one day in the life of Jesus, that each of us would kind of have the courage to, uh, to adjust our lives in regards to whatever it is that he reveals to us about who he is. You know, there's a, there's a, a big difference when you read a biography or when you know something about someone who is living compared to someone who is dead. So you pick up a biography about Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King Jr. or Bonhoeffer or you discover something about your grandmother who is now deceased that, that feelings of admiration and appreciation surface. But whatever you discover is, is simply limited to head knowledge. Because you can't interact with them. You can't use what you know of them to engage with them in deeper relationship. But when you uh, read a biography or you learn about someone who is living it always allows you to inter interact with them more fully, to experience them in a deeper way. 
So I remember in college, I learned that, that my wife like, loved getting flowers in the mail. And I didn't just sit around and think about how great I was because I had this knowledge about who Courtney is. No, when you learn about people you care about, what do you do? You pull those things into the practice of your lives. So I started sending Courtney flowers in the mail. Too many times, I think we get caught reading about Jesus like he's a man of the past, especially in the South. We get caught reading stories about Jesus like he's dead. When the things that we read to us, the things that Jesus reveals to us in his scriptures are given, not so that we'll have more head knowledge, but so that you and I would have the courage to start experiencing, start taking a step, start interacting, starting to pull into the uh, practice of our lives the things that we learn. And so this morning, we're going to do three things. We're going to look at Jesus in the story. It's the first thing we're going to do. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about how this story speaks into our situation. And the third thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about what we do with it. It's the longest intro ever. Thank you for hanging with me. Wake the person up beside you. Let's go. Uh, Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17. I want to read our story in its entirety. I invite you to listen, to hear these words. Picture yourself as if you're there. Starting in verse 17, it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe, and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. This is the word of God from Luke chapter 5. I want to invite you to, to get out something to write with. Grab your phone. You can grab a piece of paper. You can write on the back of your hand. I just, uh, I think that this is, will be more beneficial if we're writing these things down. I think the things I want, I want to give to us will be helpful as we just kind of process this week. I want to invite us to, to look at Jesus, to, to take note of the things that we see of him, to make a list of the things that we see him doing. So the first thing is this. I invite you to write this down in verse 17 is that Jesus had power to heal. First thing we see is that Jesus had power to heal. The word heal literally means to cure, to restore. 
And I want us to, to know that, that Jesus has not lost this somewhere along the way. That all throughout the Gospels, that it wasn't just in this one moment in Luke chapter 5 where the power of Jesus was on him to heal the sick, that, that all throughout the Gospels, all throughout his life, even after he ascended into heaven, he had given his disciples his authority to heal the sick. Had the power to heal. The second thing that we see, verse 19, is that he welcomed the expression of their faith. He welcomed the expression of their faith despite the interruption. He welcomed the expression of their faith despite the interruption. Can you imagine like being in the middle of a presentation at work? Being in the middle of a concert, being in the middle of a counseling session, being in the middle of teaching children, whatever it is that you do for an occupation. Can you imagine being in the middle of a meeting and all of a sudden someone is rappelling down after tearing a hole in the ceiling above you? And can you imagine you having good things to say to that person? And I, I love what we see of Jesus is that he's, he's not too busy for this man. He's not too busy for you. This is who he is. Third thing that we see in verse 20 is that he called the man who was paralyzed a friend. Jesus called the man who was paralyzed a friend. Jesus called the man who was paralyzed a friend. I love that Jesus didn't consider him a project or a problem. He's a friend. A friend is someone you care about. A friend is someone you create space in your life for. A friend is someone that you drop what you're doing to attend to their needs. The fourth thing that we see in verse 20, Jesus declares a sinful man as forgiven. Jesus declares a sinful man as forgiven. You know, we really don't know anything about this man. We don't know the specifics of his sin life. We don't know what he's been caught up in and for how long he's been caught up in it. But Jesus speaks to him and he says that he's forgiven of all his sins. Verse 22, the fifth thing that we see is that He knew what the teachers of the law and the Pharisees were thinking. The fifth thing is that Jesus knew what the teachers of the law and the Pharisees were thinking. You guys just hang with me. I know these lists are very boring for some of you. Lists are important. These things are going to be important for us to chew on. I remember when my wife was trying to decide if she wanted to date me, she literally created a list of pros and cons, like... And uh, there's something important about this, like us thinking about this in kind of a different way than we typically do on Sunday mornings. He knew what the teachers of law and the Pharisees were thinking. I go, man, this would be a useful tool, right? To be able to know what your girlfriend's thinking. (laughs) To be able to know what your kids and your friend and your roommate, to be able to know what your boss is thinking. Save you from a lot of turmoil, a lot of arguments. Jesus knows the thoughts of the heart. The sixth thing that we see in verse 24, I love this, that Jesus wants the skeptical to know him. 
Jesus wants the skeptical to know him. Jesus wants the skeptical to know him. I love the personal, the intimate language I want you to know that Jesus uses. He doesn't condemn those who have questions. He doesn't send them away rebuking them. He wants them to know him. The seventh thing, we have one more after this in verse 24 is that Jesus has authority on earth to forgive sins. Verse seven, Jesus has authority on earth to forgive sins. We're gonna come back and talk about this in just a minute. The eighth thing that we see is that Jesus heals. Verse 25, Jesus heals. You guys are champs. Thanks for writing those down, hanging with me. And I think this last piece, number eight, is so important. We're going to talk about these a little bit more, but um, I just want to speak into this for, for a minute. You know, we, we are so well aware that sometimes Jesus doesn't heal in our culture, right? That if you come here this morning, my guess is that if, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's been a time that you've asked Jesus for healing for something and he hasn't healed. And what I think is so interesting in this story is that it seems that Jesus was only going to forgive this guy of his sins. It doesn't seem that, that healing was the, a part of the original plan was in the deck for what Jesus was going to give to this man this day. I wonder what would have happened if the teachers of the law wouldn't have been there this day. What would have happened if the friends would have lowered this guy down and Jesus just looks at him and says, friend, your sins are forgiven. What if there's no one there that is questioning Jesus? The story seems to indicate that, that Jesus is trying to give this guy spiritual healing. And it seems that Jesus heals this man for the sake of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. We live in a culture, even a Christian culture, that is very passive in our and what we believe about Jesus' ability to heal today. And I wonder if one of the things that Jesus is going to kind of make us wrestle with as we leave today is if he's trying to awaken this reality in us that he still heals. This is Jesus. I want us to, to talk for a few minutes about how this story specifically, I think, speaks into our lives, into our situations. And so there are some of you who come here this morning, and as I was reading through uh, Luke chapter 5, you just naturally connect with the friends. That some of you come in this place this morning, and you've been carrying something, someone, for a very long time in hopes that you'd experience Jesus, that your friend would experience Jesus. And the reality is that you face many obstacles. I love the small detail that we get in the story. It says that they tried to get their friends to Jesus, but they couldn't because of. And the reason I love this is because you know the friends started out so incredibly hopeful this day. They hear that Jesus is in town and, and they believe deep in their head and their hearts that, that Jesus can heal. And so they go and they pick up their buddy and you can just imagine them carrying their friend going, today is the day that we meet Jesus. Today is the day that, that healing happens. Today is the day that, that the, the paralysis disappears and that our friend runs and walks. And you can just imagine as they, the, the, the hope disappearing and the disappointment rising as they walk to this house and they see the distance between where they want to be and where they are. 
as they walk up to this house full of people standing in front of, uh, between them and Jesus. And you can just imagine the disappointment that just strikes their hearts as they realize, man, how far, how far. And some of you come here this morning and you've been carrying someone You've been praying for someone for years. You've been carrying something for a long time. And I hope the thing that the Holy Spirit just speaks to you uh, from Luke chapter 5 is just this, um, just this chant that, that obstacles will come, that obstacles have come. But don't give up. There are some of you, I think, that... that the thing that the Lord is maybe trying to speak into your life this morning is that obstacles have come into your path and don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on your kid who has walked away from the Lord. Don't give up. Don't give up praying for him. There's some of you here this morning and your mom has been battling cancer for three years and, and the word the Lord might be speaking into you is don't give up on praying. Don't give up. For some of you, you've been carrying your friend, you've been inviting your friend to, to come to worship, you've been inviting your friend to come to house church, you've been inviting your friend for five years and nothing seems to be happening. Don't give up. Keep carrying them in prayer, in an invitation, and in the power and in the perseverance of the Holy Spirit to the one who heals and forgives and restores. Some of you know me, many of you don't. I'll let you in on a little bit of my life. I've been praying for someone in my family that has battled deep depression for 16 years. And the Lord Jesus has delivered them from that dark cloud in the 16th year. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. I know that was uncomfortable. You didn't know what to do with that. Some people are clapping. Some aren't. You're all just kind of wrestling what to do with it. I've been praying since 2000 for this one thing. 16 years. Many days, God, take it away, drive it away. Many of you come here today, you experience depression. Your best friend experiences depression. There were so many days where it just felt like the darkness was never going to leave, that the darkness was just controlling, that there was no hope, that there was no light, that there was nothing on the other side. And the Lord, man, the Lord healed her. 16 years later. And I'm not telling you that, that whatever it is that you're carrying, that, that 16 years is a magic year. I hope it is for you. I hope it's a lot shorter for that. The reality is that some of you have been praying for things for much longer than 16 years and you've seen, still seen no fruit. I'm not promising that Jesus is going to heal. But I am promising that I, what I think he's inviting us to is to not give up that there's joy in the persevering. Don't give up. 
There are some who are here today, the way the story speaks in your life is that you've never put your faith into action in a way that you would look silly if Jesus didn't come through. I don't like saying that because it steps on my toes. I'm sure it steps on a lot of your toes. Here's what I mean. The four friends, they literally, in Luke 5, tore up a ceiling. They interrupted a sermon. Every eye was on these four guys. And can you imagine how foolish they would have looked? How foolish they would have felt if Jesus would have done nothing? They had no guarantee that Jesus was going to act. We have no idea that the Holy Spirit like revealed something to them in their quiet time that morning. Hey, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. It seems that these guys just were willing to look silly because of what they believe about Jesus. No matter what the outcome. And I love their faith. I love that their belief cost them something. I love that they were compelled because of their belief in Jesus. Because of what they believe he's capable of still doing. That they put themselves out there that if, in such a way that if he didn't come through, they just look foolish. Many of you have friends and family that are in need of physical healing. Many of you have friends and family in need of spiritual awakening. Many of you come here this morning and, and you have this physical ailment that has been lingering for years. You come here this morning and you're, needing, you're in need of, of spiritual healing. And my hope is that, that you would have such confidence in the person of Jesus that you'd be willing to manifest your faith in a way that you would look silly if Jesus doesn't come through. A couple years ago, there's a girl from our church and she, uh, the doctors found this um, brain tumor. And they were going to do this surgery on her down in Texas. And I remember her coming to us and Every Sunday night at 7 o'clock, we go upstairs to the top venue here, and we just pray there's a bunch of just crazy people in our church that actually believes that, that Jesus still heals. And she said, I, I believe that, that Jesus can heal me. Like, like, the doctors are telling me there's a great chance that I'm going to lose my vision, that I'm going to lose all these other capacities, and, and, and I just want to pray that, that Jesus would heal. So we go upstairs on a Sunday night and into the world that looks so foolish. This girl gets in a, sits in a chair in the middle of the room and the rest of us, we just gather around her and we fall on our knees and we just call on Jesus. Jesus, would you heal our sister? How foolish if Jesus does nothing does she look? How foolish do we look? But the other side of that is the perspective from Jesus. What faith. What faith to come to the healer. <laughs> and my friend who said, I believe that Jesus can heal. I don't know what Jesus was processing in that moment as my friend said, I believe. But, but I can only imagine he responded like he did in Luke chapter 5, that there was a welcoming of her expression of faith. God healed her, by the way. It's amazing. And some of us, I, I think the thing that Jesus is inviting you to is to put your faith into action. 
to ask prayer for that thing that has been lingering, to to ask God to revitalize your heart, to to put a new energy and joy and hope, to to put an allegiance to Jesus in your heart that doesn't fade on Monday morning. There are some of you in this room and and what the Lord is maybe inviting you into is to be willing to look foolish because what you believe about Jesus, should he not come through. All right, there are some of you who are here today And although I I don't exactly know why you're here, God does. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows the assumptions. He knows all the things that are going on. And he knows that what you needed to hear this morning is, my friend, your sins are forgiven. My friend, your sins are forgiven. And I hope for some of you, all of you, that those words sit very heavy and very real on your heart. Here's the deal. When, when you and I realize that we are sinners and that in Jesus and because of Jesus, you and I are forgiven of all of our sins, all the things that we've done that we're ashamed of, a joy and a thankfulness and a devotion to Jesus arises in us. When you realize what Paul says in Colossians chapter two, that that he has forgiven us of all of our sins. He has canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. When you and I realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago, when he died to pay for each of our sins, when you realize that you are that loved, that he would die to pay for your sins, that he would so orchestrate faith around you. It's not a coincidence that your your parents are strong believers and you're still on the fence. It's not a coincidence that that your husband loves the Lord deeply and you're still on the fence. It's not a coincidence that that you're surrounded, that your roommate and and your your college best friend is a strong believer. It it is not a coincidence because the the, the Lord has this way of orchestrating faith around you that, that your mom and your dad and your girlfriend and your friends have been carrying you, whether you know it or not, to bring you to this place, to bring you to this seat, to bring you to this uncomfortable chair on a Sunday morning in a bar in Nashville, Tennessee, so that you could hear these words. My friend, you're not an enemy of Jesus. He's not against you. You're a friend of Jesus. He's creating space in his life for you so you can know him who care for you, who love you. He's the best friend a man or woman could ask for. And some of you this morning, you, you just need to hear these words. My friend, your sins are forgiven. No matter what you've done, no matter how long you've been gone, my friend, your sins are forgiven. And some of you are here today and there's an assumption that, that Jesus is wrong. That Jesus can't possibly still do these things. He doesn't heal. He doesn't forgive sin. He doesn't know what's in our hearts and our, and our thoughts. And I hope you know that, and I want you to know that, that you're not dealt with, with rebuke and condemnation by Jesus for your questioning. For he wants you to know him. 1 Timothy 2 says that he wants all people to come to know him. 
And those of us who follow Jesus who are in this room, and we want you to know it. The real Jesus, for there is life and there is liberty when you're walking with Jesus. And this is where we'll end today. So, so what do we do with this? I have a couple of things that I want to invite us uh, to try this week. And here's the first thing. The, the first thing I want to invite us to do is to, to know Jesus. You're like, that's real clear. Good word. Let me explain what that means. That one of the things that, that Courtney and I would do when we were in college is after we had um, studied and got our homework done and got ready for a test the next day, we'd meet up on campus and we'd just sit somewhere on campus and just sit and talk and get to know each other for hours at a time or, or, or we'd be away from each other for Christmas or summer and we'd just stay up um, all hours of the night just kind of talking. And there's something about just being with someone and listening that really helps you get to know them and love them. So here's what I'm going to invite us to do this week. This is going to be a big stretch for probably all of us. There might be one person that's not a stretch for. Um, I'm going to invite us to, to read through the entire Gospel of Luke in one sitting this week at some point. To take two or three hours and, and literally just to read Luke chapter 1 all the way to Luke chapter 24. For some of us, that feels daunting, it feels overwhelming. Let me just kind of put this in perspective. I'm not saying this to overwhelm us, but we will sit and we will watch The Hobbit for three hours, right? We'll watch the NBA Finals. We'll be mad that it didn't go into triple overtime. Like, we'll watch The Bachelor. I won't watch The Bachelor, but maybe you will, like for hours on end. And, and there's something beautiful about just sitting and being with Jesus for a couple of hours. And my hope is that you get this big picture of who Jesus is, not just in one glimpse, at one day in his life, but throughout the course of his life. It's a big challenge. I invite you to try it. Second thing that we're going to do is we're going to take communion here in just a minute. Chris is going to get back up and, and lead us in some, some worship. And I want to invite you to do this with um, three or four other people, the people that you came with or strangers. It's okay. And you can do this by yourself, but let me encourage you and challenge you to, to do it with a group of people. Now we're going to stand in just a minute. I'm going to invite you to go to the communion table, to grab a piece of bread, to grab a cup of juice, and to come back. And you can circle up your chairs, or you can kind of scatter around the lobby, go wherever you want. And so just ask and to answer these two questions. Where do you relate in this story? And what do you think Jesus is inviting you into? These are questions I hope that we'll ask in communion. Where do you relate in this story? And what do you think Jesus is inviting you into? And I encourage you to share honestly. Man, we, we applaud honesty here at Ethos. That we don't have to come in this place and pretend like to make other people think that we're super spiritual. Like uh, we come in this place and we can be us with our real questions and we don't have to pretend. No one's impressed by you. And so I encourage you to share honestly, and, and this might just kind of give you a framework for what this will look like, and so you're going to be sitting there, and you're going to be feeling really awkward, and, and you're going to be tempted to, to share something kind of on a surface level, and I'm going to encourage you to go deep, and some of you are going to share something like this, man, I, re I relate to the friends in this story, I've been praying for one of my friends for years, and nothing seems to be happening. And I think what Jesus might be inviting me into is to not give up. And then I encourage you, if... Uh, you're the recipient of, of hearing someone say these words, man, to, to put your hands on their shoulders and to metaphorically carry them. Just like the friends carried this man to the feet of Jesus, just pray. 
For some of you, you're gonna say something like this, man, I relate and that I haven't been willing to act out my faith. I've been too fearful that if I put myself out there, Jesus isn't gonna come through for me. I'm gonna, I've been too fearful that if I do this, I'm gonna look foolish. I think Jesus is inviting me to invite my coworker to come with me to worship next Sunday. Pray for courage. For some of you, you're gonna say something along these lines, man, I, 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 I relate and then I need to hear that I'm forgiven. And I feel like he's inviting me to follow him, to be all the way in. That I've been a one foot in, one foot out kind of Christian that on, uh, one, around one group of people, I'm one way. And then I'm, when I'm around another group of people, I'm a different way. And I think Jesus is inviting me to, to be all in, to be all for him. Pray that you would have the courage to say, man, I want Jesus to be everything. And that you as your, the friends who receive, who hear these words, would carry that friend to Jesus in prayer. And some of you are going to have the courage to say, I, I relate in that I just don't believe. But I think he's inviting me just to read the Gospel of Luke this week with an open mind. And that you would pray for your friend that, that God would awaken belief. And if you don't feel comfortable talking with the people you came with, or if you don't know anyone and you want to talk with someone, there are going to be a few of us by the respond banner in the back. We'd love to talk and pray with you to hear anything that you have to share. But let me end with this. Should we really open our lives up to Jesus? I mean, really open our lives up to him, not just play the game, not just show up on a Sunday morning. Should we really open our lives up to Jesus? The payoff in the end is worth every bit of the process. All the doubting, all the stumbling, all the frustration, all the unanswered questions are worth it when you discover the goodness and the realness of Jesus Christ. And may we not settle or stop until we discover the one worth pushing through the crowds for. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your power, for your love for us. Would you move in this place as we break the bread? Would you open eyes to see you, to believe for the first time? Would you give us just a surge of courage to share where we really are and that you would meet us in our faith wherever we are? God, I pray that you would give us words of encouragement and visions and pictures for each other. God, that would encourage us to seek your face. And I pray against the enemy. Uh, the, uh, God, you know the strongholds that he has on us, the lies and the accusations that he speaks to us. And, and I pray that your more beautiful and real voice will be heard um, as we take, the, take communion. God, we love you. We are for you as you've been for us. Pour out your spirit on us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.